Hi, everyone. <laughs> well, as Ryan already said, my name is Nate uh, Ball, and this is my, my wife, Michelle. Uh, we've been married for 10 years, and we have two kids. Uh, this is them, uh, Graham, uh, our son. He's almost six, and that's the wee baby Grace. She's two, um, and they're awesome. So, uh, But this is about us for right now. Though I was raised in a, a Christian environment, I was baptized at the age of seven, I would say that for most of my life, I never truly understood what it meant to follow Christ. Uh, my parents divorced when I was five years old, and my father to this day is still only sporadically present in my life. And at the time, when I was five, it left me feeling abandoned, and it really damaged my self-esteem. At that age, I knew my family was broken. Uh, I was afraid it would never be made whole. And as a five-year-old, I felt that I was somehow partially responsible for it. When my mom eventually remarried... Uh, Those feelings manifested as angerness and bitterness towards my stepfather because I realized that that meant that my mom and dad would never get back together again. As a result of that marriage, my stepfather's work roles, we moved around a lot during my middle school and my high school years. And since I already tended to be a, a pretty shy and reserved kid, those frequent moves led to further isolation and loneliness in my life. That, uh, that isolation sparked and then intensified uh, my use of pornography, which I was exposed to at a very young age. That habit continued to grow through high school and college and well into my marriage. Uh, despite all of that, uh, on the outside, people cons- considered me, quote, a, a good kid. I made good grades and never got into trouble. I was active at my parents' church. It was all a facade, but I wrongly thought that it worked okay at the time. Uh, Regardless, it was this church activity and a family connection that led me to a discipleship training opportunity as a senior in high school, and on that trip, I met her. Like Nate, I grew up in a Christian home, and I accepted who Christ was at a young age without truly giving him lordship over my life. Church was a big part of my whole family's life, and our church body was like extended family. Um, Throughout my childhood, my parents were very loving and encouraging, Um, But they did unknowingly place a lot of pressure for perfection on me. They would say that I was like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way, which made me wince later on knowing how imperfect I really was. Um, Knowing that they had high expectations for school performance and um, my personal behavior in part led to struggles with people-pleasing and a lot with pride. Um, As a teenager, I thought I was humble and well-behaved compared to my peers, But I actually basked in the praise that I received um, during involvement with sports, drama, music ministry, and youth leadership. These activities through school and church made me appear like a good Christian girl, but everything was for my glory, not for God's. I sought the spotlight, and I craved attention from others, especially boys. Um, When I was 17, I went on a three-week-long discipleship training in Europe where I met Nate, Um, This is a photo of us at 17. (laughs) I look exactly the same, right? That's what you guys are thinking. Yeah, Yeah. 17 years old, drinking hot chocolate on a train. Um, (laughs) At the time, time, I already had a boyfriend, but Nate and I remained friends into college. I continued to date around, but eventually I realized that Nate was the one I didn't want to live without. So we started dating long-distance. Our colleges were about eight hours away from each other, and our long-distance relationship was not a healthy one. When we were together, we would push physical boundaries, and while apart, we communicated frequently, but poorly. 
I wanted an engagement sooner rather than later, since my ideal was to be married at age 21. But Nate showed no signs of making that commitment. At the time, I didn't realize it, but when things don't go my way, I have a tendency to jump ship and pursue the next thing rather than being patient and waiting on the Lord's timing. This unhealthy relationship with Nate and unmet expectations, coupled with a non-existent walk with the Lord, led me to seek fulfillment through um, partying and drinking and eventually a physical relationship with another man. These poor choices quickly left me feeling guilty and undeserving of Nate, and I almost hoped that confessing to him would sever our relationship so that the guilt would go away. Life was falling to pieces apart from the Lord. And so for my part, uh, when Michelle confessed and I found out, I I was devastated. Uh, Since I was not actively pursuing a relationship with the Lord, I'd let my relationship with Michelle become an idol. And the potential end of that brought back all those old feelings of anger, bitterness, abandonment that I'd been really just trying to avoid since I was a kid. Uh, additionally, um, I, I struggled with low self-esteem, and so that kicked in. And I felt, I felt physically inadequate that she no longer found me attractive. Uh, above all else, uh, I felt lost without direction because I was solely relying on my relationship with Michelle to provide that direction for me. Uh, in that moment, I prayed for the first time in years, just sort of out of reflex, and I asked God two things, make it stop hurting and tell me what to do next. Um, after dusting off my Bible and just skimming through it, the answer was clear, and that was to forgive Michelle. That much I got. I didn't know how to do it, only that I should, so I did it very clumsily. But unfortunately, as soon as I finished forgiving her, I stopped praying. I put my Bible back in the closet, just collected more dust. Michelle and I never addressed any of the hurt that I felt. I ignored it because I thought that's what men were supposed to do. And I wrongly assumed that time would heal the wound. So we just continued to date. Uh, Within six months, we were engaged, and then we were married in October of 2007. I had just begun graduate school, and academics quickly replaced my relationship with Michelle as my primary idol. I spent our first summer in another country doing research, and after my return, I used school as an excuse to avoid Michelle and any meaningful involvement in the church that she attended. It's fair to say that I had no concept of how to be a loving husband or a spiritual leader. When I finished school, my idol just shifted once again, this time to a career. I took a job here in Dallas, and we moved actually just down the street from the church. As Nate touched on, our early marriage was largely separate. We may have lived under the same roof and shared some meals, but we did not have spiritual or emotional intimacy. Um, My patterns of pride and seeking attention from others continued as I became involved with a local church as well as a new job. The story was the same as where I grew up. At church, my ego was stoked by people complimenting my singing and asking me to help with youth drama. At work, I proved my versatility and dependability, and any praise received still made me feel like I was somehow better than others. When Nate's career brought us to Dallas, my employer convinced me to transfer to their office here, which I did simply because I liked being favored by the managers. We both had work to fill our time here in Dallas, but we still felt compelled to join a church, even though our walks with the Lord weren't active at the time. Eventually, we were drawn to Watermark and quickly got involved in community, where we continued to go through the motions while hiding our sin patterns. Nate and I disagreed about when to start having children, which didn't fit with my four-year plan. You can see I'm a big planner here. 
I had always wanted to have our first child within three to four years of marriage. Knowing my expectations regarding our first child would be unmet made me feel powerless and like Nate didn't care about my desires. Since I was emotionally vulnerable and wasn't seeking the Lord's guidance, my tendency to flirt and seek attention led to an emotional affair with a coworker. Like the last time, I eventually felt guilt and shame, but there was also a new hunger for true change. I finally ended the relationship. Tired of repeating the same cycles and wanting to be free from it, I cried out to God and begged forgiveness. Over the next couple of years, I began pursuing the Lord again, but this time I was not simply checking off an item on my to-do list. Through church community, scripture memory, and focused Bible study, I came to know God's character and his desire to have an intimate relationship with me. I began to find my worth in how he loves me, not in how others make me feel. Whereas I used to live in fear of recurring sins, I now knew in my heart that I was a new creature, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells me. The old me has passed, and the new one, the new me, Christ, in me, has come. I was not that person anymore. During this process, where the Lord was drawing me closer, Nate gave in on starting a family. We had Graham in 2012, and at that point, I quit my job to stay at home with him. One day I was spending time in the word and I read Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. I felt as I read that, um, that God was showing me that my pursuit of him could not continue to grow unless I was reconciled to my husband. Nate didn't even know about my indiscretions with the coworker, which was years before that, but I knew I needed to confess. It terrified me, Um, but without giving details, I begged my community group girls for prayer that this confession to Nate would be healing. I couldn't look him in the eyes as I told him everything that happened. And so again, for my part, when I found out, I was devastated. It's just the same thing over again. I'd not addressed my feelings of anger, of bitterness, my fear of abandonment, my unhealthy body image. None of that was addressed. Um, So when it happened again, I I was overcome with the weight of those same emotions again. It was just a a cycle. Like before, I was completely blindsided by the the news. But looking back now, I realized that the the unfaithfulness, it ran both ways. It just looked different on my end. I'd landed a great job out of school, and my full attention was on working hard to impress coworkers and bosses. My marriage took a backseat to my job, and my, quote, faith became nothing more than attending church on Sundays and trying to figure out ways to avoid the community group we had joined. Yeah. <laughs> Got pretty good at it, too. The frequent travel to some very remote places... Um, The job required frequent travel, and I enjoyed that because it meant that I could unplug from my marriage. I could forget about being a husband for a few days. With the increase in travel came an increase in my consumption of pornography, as at the time it seemed like a harmless way to pass hours in a hotel room. I became so caught up in myself and pursuing whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it that I was blind to the way that the Lord was changing my wife's heart. I watched her read her Bible, I watched her journal, and I watched her pray, but I was so focused on myself that it didn't even register to me um, that the faith that I claim to have should have been causing me to do those exact same things. And so when Michelle explained to me why she was confessing, I could see that something had changed in her. And I also knew that unless I got serious about our marriage, 
the anger and bitterness that I couldn't shake on my own would ruin the little bit of relationship that we had left. So at Michelle's suggestion, and with our community group in tow, we ended up at re-engage a few weeks later. It took me time, but over the next couple of months, the Lord graciously revealed some hard truths to me. First and foremost, uh, the biggest problem in my marriage wasn't Michelle seeking attention from other men, but my own pride and selfishness. Those feelings of abandonment, anger, and bitterness existed uh, because I put faith in things other than the Lord. My addiction to pornography was a futile attempt to find pleasure and satisfaction apart from God. And additionally, the only way to fix the problem was with God's help. Uh, And in order to do that, I'd have to have a much, much deeper relationship to him than I currently had at the time. So once I began spending time in his word, I learned what true forgiveness looked like and how anger and bitterness towards Michelle were signs that even though I'd said I'd forgiven her, I really hadn't. Now, for two years, I'd been adamant that I didn't want a second child. Uh, And as I learned how God has forgiven me, I realized what I was doing was holding that child uh, over my wife's head as punishment for the way that she made me feel. It was the only weapon I felt I had at the time, and I was using it frequently. Um, In that moment, at that time, I knew that not only did I need to truly forgive Michelle, but I needed to confess those feelings that I had and angerness and bitterness and my pornography usage. And I had to ask her forgiveness for all of those things. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. When the Lord convicted me that I needed to confess to Nate, I had no expectations that he would in turn be convicted of any, any wrongdoing. I knew that I was the one who messed up. However, when I confessed, he immediately said he knew he had not been the leader I needed and had not loved me well. It was not an excuse for my behavior at all, but he was owning at least some of his part before we even set foot in re-engage. He took the first step toward healing by encouraging me that we should bring our community group in on the details of our struggle. Fear had always held us back from sharing 100%, but when we told our group, they loved us as only Christ followers can, unconditionally. It was with their support that we decided to walk through re-engage. Once we started the process of truly drawing the circle around ourselves, as you will hear frequently here, uh, the Lord continued to reveal our tendencies to be selfish and prideful. We also were terrible at communicating. Both of us had unvoiced and therefore unmet expectations, which in part added to our sin struggles. We were not serving each other as Christ would have us do, so we were running to other outlets to be served. Seeing Nate pursue the Lord was a desire I didn't even know I had until he started engaging in the material and initiating conversation every week. The discussion we had about forgiveness was a big one. Um, It broke my heart that Nate didn't want a second child, but through that discussion, I realized that I needed to change my prayers. Rather than asking the Lord to change Nate's mind, I needed him to change my heart so that I found my satisfaction in him alone rather than in my own plan for having more children. It was a long process, but the Lord changed both of our hearts. To Nate's surprise and my delight, we ended up having our daughter, Grace. (laughs) The fact that we had her at all is proof that he softened hearts through the process of forgiveness and reconciliation. The fact that it was much later than I wanted was proof that the Lord's timing is perfect and that he knows what is best for me. Nate and I still don't have it all figured out. We still struggle to communicate clearly and lovingly with each other. We still struggle with unvoiced and unmet expectations. 
However, with the Lord's grace, we are learning to humbly confess to each other when we stumble. We are also both quick to ask for and grant forgiveness and to pursue reconciliation with one another. Because communicating expectations has always been difficult for us, we now set aside time, um, usually weekly, to make sure we are on the same page. Our conversations do wonders to minimize conflict throughout the week uh, because they give us an opportunity to serve each other well. Since I tend to be prideful and selfish, uh, serving my husband does not come easily, but the Lord is teaching me to rely on his strength rather than my own. And on my part, the Lord continues to show me how to lead Michelle in humility and to trust in him for wisdom and not myself. Uh, to this end, one opportunity he continues to lay before us is serving together in marriage ministry to do things like this. Um, this is an incredibly unifying journey, um, and this experience actually blesses us immeasurably. So thank you guys for letting us come. We constantly need the reminders of God's grace, forgiveness, and love that we get through watching him transform the lives of you guys, you know, the people in this room. Um, and if we could leave you all with just a little bit of encouragement, it would be Jeremiah 29, 11, and 13, which is a verse I heard in church all the time growing up, but had no idea what it meant until much later. Um, and it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Uh, I, I read that now, and I know that God wants our marriage and yours as well, not just to coast, but to flourish. And that process starts when we call out to him. He promises that when we do, uh, first he hears us, and that when we seek him, we will find him. And Michelle and I are proof that the Lord keeps his promises. And we're confident that those promises are true for you guys as well. So thanks for letting us share tonight. <laughs>